My name is Bob. I am the Next Steps pastor here at Heights. And here's the thing. I know what a lot of you are thinking right now. You're thinking John's not here. And who's Next Steps? What does that even mean? We could act like we're getting a coffee at Grafton and we could cut out. (laughs) And some of you online, you're thinking the same thing. Like, oh, John's not here. Who's Bob? Let's just log off. Well, first of all, how rude of you to think that. And secondly, I'm not going to allow it to happen. Boys? I want you to understand that I have a hundred more just like them and they are going to be at every exit. And for those of you online, we do have capability now to find out if you log off and where you live. I'll have them at your house in minutes. Thank you, boys. Take your places. Go ahead. It's kind of funny. I've been waiting forever to do that. I was really excited to find out that they asked me to uh, speak on a baptism weekend. Don't you love baptisms? Isn't it the best weekend to be here? (laughs) Love it. And as much as I like watching the baptism itself, the part that I love even more is the stories of how these people come to faith. Stories of people coming to faith or living out their faith in bold ways really inspires me and helps me to keep going too just like stories in the Bible. But this morning, I want to talk about your story and my story. But to do it right, I want to put it in proper perspective. So I want to go back, and you don't have to turn there. I'm going to sum it up a little bit for us. But in the creation story, where God creates the world, I'm going to sum it up so we see our story better. In Genesis 1, it says, on day one, God created light. So there was day and there was night. And then on day two, it says he created the sky. On day three, it says he created land, plants, and trees. So you see God's putting on this amazing display of his power and his creativity. And at the end of day four, he said it was good. Then on day five, he creates fish and birds. And again, at the end of the day, he says it's good. And then he starts day six with creating all the animals and creatures that crawl around. And I don't know if you can picture it, if you've ever been to one of those places that is just so perfect and beautiful. It's pristine, it's untouched. Then at the end of day six, it says he creates man. So I don't know if you see this, Adam and Eve are waking up to a story that's already in progress. God's the center and they woke up for him. He didn't need them. He doesn't need us. He's complete without us. And he didn't even need to start a story. He just did. And at the end of it, he said, it's very good. Now, here's what I want to point out this morning. He invited them into the story, and he's inviting us into his story. And the Bible's complete. We're not adding to it. But you have to understand the story of God goes on. 
And I want you to think of something. Think of some of your favorite people in the Bible. And I don't know who stands out to you, why their story caught your attention. For me, I would say a couple of my like, I really like, and you don't know much about him in the Bible, Barnabas. And I think what I like most is he's so humble. He raised up people in in the faith that wrote books of the Bible. And his name even means the encourager. And I love that. And then another one that I like a lot is Peter for a totally different reason. Peter's kind of an idiot in the Bible. He loves Jesus so much, but he says stupid things. He puts his foot in his mouth a lot and he does dumb things. And I think I like that because I can kind of relate to Peter a lot. But for whatever reason, those people you thought of, they caught your attention and their story inspired you in some way. But I want to say this, I really believe we've got this privilege of being characters in God's story. We have our own storyline in there. And I want to say this, their stories, as great as they are, our stories are just as important and just as valid as theirs. Now, in every story, whether you look at a movie, you read a book, there's always good characters and bad characters in a storyline. Now, keep in mind, God's the main character in the story, and he's invited us in. And we should be so excited at the privilege of having just a piece in that story. And although he didn't need us in the story, he loves us and wants us in the story. And you know this, most of you, but he loved us so much that he even allowed his son to die for us. So my thing is, is if we understand that we're a loved creation of God, how could we not love him back? And shouldn't we see that love played out in the way we live out our storyline in God's story? So what are you doing with your story? And like I said before, there's good characters and bad characters. In your storyline, is it about you or is it about God? I want to read you a quote by Brennan Manning. And I know it's at the front of a DC talk song too, but the quote is by Brennan Manning and it says this. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Think about that a minute. For those of you that call yourself a Christian, does your story draw people to Christ or is it pushing them away? We have an amazing privilege to be part of God's story. Um, But would people know you're a Christian or a believer by the way you're living out your storyline in God's story? Because once you've declared yourself a Christian, just like these people did today, People are looking at you. You're a witness. Good or bad, you're a witness. And the one thing I want to point out here is, as witnesses and believers, he's given us purpose. I always hear people ask him, what's my purpose? I want to look at one of those. If you have Bibles either on your phone or, or you've got your Bible Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> 
Paul's writing this letter to the church in Corinth. So he's writing to believers. So we're in 2 Corinthians 5. I'm going to read just verse 17 to you. And if you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So he's saying anybody in Christ, he's talking to any of us that have called ourselves believers. Then he goes on to say this to us. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now, here's the thing. They use the word a couple times in here, reconciled or reconciliation. To reconcile, the definition is um, to restore to friendship or harmony. So our relationship with God has been restored to friendship and harmony through Christ. You often hear people use the word the gospel. That is the gospel. It's the message of Jesus making it possible for us to have a relationship with God the Father. And the part I love about it too is it says, I don't know your translation on that one. It says, he committed that message to us. Some translations say he entrusted it to us. That is really humbling to me. I don't know if you've ever been entrusted with something really valuable to you. I'll tell you once, I was, um, it doesn't look like it anymore, but I used to be a gymnast and I was coaching and I was coaching up in Ohio. And the way it works is um, you have five states that make up that region. Well, one of the girls I coached that year made nationals. So they take the top seven kids from that region to go represent at nationals. Well, we get there and we train the kids for a little bit. Well, from region five, where I was at, there was seven kids and seven different coaches. And so they tell us, they said, you guys pick one coach because only one coach is allowed on the floor with the athletes. So during the training time, we're working with them and I am really protective of my athletes. As a coach, I feel it's my job to keep them safe and not let them hear things from other people that might hurt them. Well, we're in this training session and then at one point, the other coaches came up and they're just like, hey, Bob, we want you to take our kids onto the floor. And I was so humbled that someone would entrust me with their kids, with their athletes. It meant so much to me. But how much more here, we're being entrusted with the message of Christ. How much more valuable is that? We have the message of eternal life. And what an honor that he's allowing us to take that to people. And when I say us, by the way, I mean us. I think sometimes people look and they're like, well, the pastor's supposed to do that. It's the pastor's job to tell people about Jesus. And it is, but that's not totally true. It says in Ephesians 4 that God gave the church pastors and teachers to equip them for acts of service, to take that message out. So as much as we're all doing it, you're called just as much as anyone else once you call yourself a Christian. Then I love the way he describes it. it. says this in verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
Whew. The definition of ambassador is an authorized messenger of the highest rank. We're an authorized messenger of the highest rank. Now, I don't know, people know ambassadors by political stuff, so it works like this. If there's an American ambassador in a foreign country and they don't know any other Americans, that person is America to them. That's what every American must be like, how they dress, how they talk, how they act, because that's what they see. And I will tell you, when I was an athlete myself, at one point, um, I was on a U.S. team that went to Canada to compete. And we're up in Canada, and the U.S. delegation came to us, and they, I mean, it was an hour lecture. You will not say this. You won't say that. I do not want you yelling loud, celebrating when you do well. Um, you are humble, no matter what happens. They said, you are representing an American athlete right now. And you took it really serious, because people are going to draw conclusions. And by the way, I don't think John's here, so I can make a little fun as we were talking through stuff, you know, John was raised in England and we we're talking about ambassadors. And he said, when he grew up in England, he said, everybody would say stuff like, the Yanks are so obnoxious and loud. <laughs> it's not a good impression, but it's better than his. <laughs> he, he doesn't do it very well. But the point is people are gonna draw conclusions about a person or a group of people, often based on the example of one or two people. So do you see yourself as an ambassador for Christ? Because like it or not, if you've called yourself a Christian, you are. Good or bad, you're representing 24-7. With your story, the way you're living it out, would people see Jesus? I know none of us, is, we're not perfect. And my point is don't use that as an excuse not to speak about Christ to others because that's not what I'm talking about. We all have moments where we take our focus off God and we step out of his plan for us at that point. Um, we all do those things. And I don't know, um, some of you know me a little bit. Uh, I am the most ADD person you can imagine. If you hang out with me, they're probably laughing going, yeah. In fact, at one point when I remember when my older daughter was in elementary school, we had a parent-teacher conference and we're sitting in with the teacher and she starts talking about my daughter and what she needs to do. And she starts talking about how my daughter might be ADD. But by that point, I had tuned out <laughs> and I was doing one of these things and she's like, Mr. Hoyt. And I'm like, what? And she goes, oh. <laughs> and, and the reason I mentioned that is this. It's like, I think a lot of times I become spiritually ADD. And I get distracted from God, and I get um, way more times than I care to admit. And I hate that, but it doesn't define me. That's not who I am. And what I try to do right away is once I realized that I've lost focus, I want to step right back into that path Amen. and into that story that God has for me. Because we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to make bad choices. Don't let that stop you from being a witness for God. And if you think you have a problem, work on it, fix it, get help, do what you got to do, but don't use that as an excuse not to be Christ to others. But I will say this, I think the biggest excuse I hear from people why they don't tell others about Christ is they say, I just don't know enough. I don't know enough about him. But it's not about having a doctorate in theology. It's not a lot about having all the answers to all the questions. 
And you probably know this, but more is caught than taught. People are watching your lives more than they're listening to the words you say because people can say a lot of things. I love, there's a quote, and I want to read it to you. Um, Some people say it was from St. Francis of Assisi, and I hear other people say no, but I don't care who it's from. It's the most amazing quote, and I want to read it to you. It says this, Preach the gospel always, and when necessary, use words. Again, preach the message of Christ that we just talked about always, and when necessary, use words. Think about that. Would your life display that? Would people wonder more about Jesus because of the way you're living your life? Does it speak Christ? Because here's the thing, I really believe this, your story can be enough. It's not about having all the answers and all the knowledge. It can be just about your story. And I want to show you what I mean. We're going to go to one more passage. If you can go to John chapter 4. And a lot of you, by the way, you hear these stories in the Bible. If you've been in church, you hear them all the time. And I don't know about you, I can almost read the same story every day and get something new every day. So I want you to look at it fresh and new. And we're going to talk about the woman at the well as we talk about this story. And we're going to start in John 4, verse 4. And it says this. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. So I want to point out something before we go on here. A couple things. In that culture, the woman would go get water very early in the morning before it was hot. It says here it was the sixth hour, which means it was noon. There was a reason this woman was there all alone. She was an outcast. People didn't like her. So she came when no one would be there. Also, in that culture, Jews and Samaritans didn't talk to each other. There was racial and religious tensions. And so that's a setup for what's about to happen, because now this conversation between Jesus and the woman takes place. So look in verse 9, it says this. The woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become like in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. 
I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you've had no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. So now you're getting a picture. This is why that woman's all alone. People think she's dirty. She's an outcast. She's a sinner. Look what it goes on to say in verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. I love this. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Now I'm going to ask you a question. You think about this conversation I just read to you. How long do you think it took? How long were they talking? Five minutes? Maybe 10. But with that short conversation and the little she knows, look what she does. I think it's so amazingly cool. In verse 27, it says, Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. She didn't know much at all. You and I know way more than this woman did. You've heard more conversation about him. Plus, she didn't even get to see the full story. We have the whole story. We know about his death and his resurrection. But her, she was so excited with her part of the story of Jesus, she even left her water back behind her to run back and tell everyone. And you know what? It's just her story with a little bit of time with Jesus. But look how God uses her story. Look in verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritan came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two more days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Whew. Isn't that amazing? God uses her story, a sinner, an outcast, someone no one liked. But her story had an impact. And she could have made excuses too on why not to tell anybody. She could have said, well, they don't, nobody likes me. They're not gonna listen to me. And I really only heard him speak for a few minutes but she didn't. 
She used her story. She didn't know much. We just have to be ambassadors with the story of God that he's given us. And I want to encourage you this morning because if you're calling yourself a believer, especially we get to see it with people being baptized today, God wants you to be an ambassador for him. He has a purpose for you and your story, and he's calling you to use it. So what are you going to do with your storyline, with your part in God's story? Because we know what he wants. I love it. Paul, who wrote that in in Corinthians, um, at the end of his life, I love what he said. Uh, I'm not going to put it up there, uh, but I'm going to read it to you. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul said this. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul's saying his whole life would have been a waste. It would have been nothing if he doesn't tell others about Christ. And here we are with a story just as important as his Why don't we think that way? Why don't we have that same urgency and that same importance in our life? Because your life and storyline are not about you. It's about God. And he just gave us a part in the story. So like I said in the beginning, I love stories. I love stories of faith, people living it out, coming to faith. I want you to know your story is just as important. So I want to challenge you this week. Um, As a believer, I believe we really do need to know why we believe what we believe. We need to know our stories. So I want to challenge you this week. There's people that you know or in your life that call themselves Christians. Ask them their story. Ask them what brought them to that point of belief. And I also want to say this. If there's anyone out here right now and you're not sure that you've really even stepped into God's storyline for you, I would love to talk to you about that. So at the end of the service, I'm going to be down here and a couple other people will. But if you're not sure that you're even a Christian, but you have questions, please come forward. Um, I'm going to close this out in prayer. But before I do, I just want to thank you for your time and just opportunity to be here with you this morning. So let me pray. Uh, Lord God, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. Father, we are so humbled that you created us and that you've invited us to be a part of your story. Father, I pray for everyone in this room that claims you, Lord, that calls themselves a follower of you, Father, that you would um, help us to use our story within your story for your good, Lord. I pray that you would give us words to speak when necessary, Lord. And Father, I pray for those who don't know you, Father, that They would come to faith through our stories and through the stories of others. Thank you again. In Jesus' name, amen.